and Jenny. You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of the recently released October 16, very recent, and I think in the cinema briefly as well. Love and Monsters. I've got a big problem with the young adult genre. In fact, I predict that it may be young adult that kills off the endless stream of comic book adaptations and superhero movies. I, I predict that they're just going to relaunch everything but choose young teenagers to do all the roles and not acknowledge how well cast the X-Men or the Marvel films have been. Brilliant actors in those roles and they're just going to keep, I think they'll keep substituting for young adult actors. And it's been a bad decade for young adult. We had the previous decade, we had the big guns of you know Twilight and Hunger Games, not always great, but... Um, Certainly much more memorable, and then that was replaced by the likes of The Maze Runner, and then it just got a law of diminishing returns with more and more anemic, derivative, post-apocalyptic, dystopian future films. So I didn't enter Love and Monsters uh, with a great deal of... I thought I was going to turn it off, because I thought I'd just give it a go, and I'll see if I like it. The reviews weren't spectacular either. Only about 56% on Metacritic. So that wasn't leading me to believe I was about to enjoy a film at all. Uh, South African director Michael Matthews, this is his big label debut film, starring Dylan O'Brien in the lead role as a sad sack teenage lovelorn guy. Already, all of this is my worst fear. Um, and he lives underground in a post-apocalyptic future where an asteroid was going to hit the Earth, so he fired lots of missiles at it, and the fallout from those missiles ended up creating uh turning all of our a lot of our insects and animals into giants that then destroyed the earth in a similar way to pacific rim these giant creatures the biggest ones fought the military and killed off all the military and they died as well but now we're left with 10 foot high cockroaches and so on and it's too dangerous to live outside so he lives underground in a bunker and he is the only single person in that bunker everyone else is in a couple and where we open we've shown how awful it is that he's like walk, walking past these naked couples in bed all the time and he's a he's i think he's supposed to be about 27 or something but he's been down there for years seven years so he still acts very much like a teenage boy all of this is awful it's like my nightmare from hell and he decides um he's got a problem with cowardice and he decides um after yet another running with one of these bugs that's broken into their compound the uh, where he freezes entirely he's just got no confidence because of what's the traumatic way his parents died at the hand of these bugs he can't fight so he's just a chef making macaroni soup he decides that he's going to travel 80 miles above land to meet his girlfriend from seven years ago who he last saw on the last day that they were all free played by jessica henwick who i picked out in the movie underwater as being the breakout star of that film not kristen stewart she was far more charismatic and interesting and again i totally believe she's going to become a huge star british actress beautiful british actress and she's um got it as far as i'm concerned i see her uh, being in a, a much more elevated films although this is a pretty fair budget work to be honest now everything about this film points to me not liking it and i actually kind of loved it i don't know what everything that i thought would be like i thought this film would be one of two things 
I thought it would be like the young adult films like Maze Runner, very dour, self-serious, morose, hung up on teenage love. Or I thought it would be bombastic, broad humour, you know, lots of uh, pyrotechnics going off and yelling and running around and screaming. And it's neither of those films. It is a surprisingly soulful and thoughtful film. Um, I actually found the lead character to be engaging, which I didn't expect at all. I think Dylan O'Brien, he makes you warm to him. And as his courage grows, he grows from this kid who you know that the astonishingly gorgeous Jessica Henwick, who herself has become the leader of her little group 80 miles away. She is far, far too much of a woman for him. I could relate this film to Slow West because we were talking about that awful Cody Smith McPhee in a review of 2067 recently. In the film Slow West, he starts as this lovelorn teenager who travels the Wild West from Scotland to find his love, who was in another film recently, who I just saw, and it wasn't a very good film. I wonder who that was. I wish I could remember while I'm talking about this because she's in another film and it wasn't very good and it wasn't her fault. Ah. Oh. The um, the one with Russell Crowe in The Traffic. She's the star of that film. And she's got the most... I will review that next week. She's got one of the most annoyingly written lead characters I've ever seen. Um, that film, the Cody Smith fee character, didn't change from start to finish. All of his adventures in the West never made him a different person. This time around, the character really credibly, believably becomes, by the end of the film someone you yourself respect and could see with this woman because he's so much more courageous and thoughtful and alive and dynamic you think wow you'd be impressed if this guy turned up and they don't go down the path of you know boy and girl meet and have a happy relationship at the end it's all done very adult and he sort of comes to terms with the fact that obviously seven years of your life she's had other relationships she's moved on from him she's a different person all of it's handled really adult. Um, and I, I found the progress where it didn't rely on them getting together at the end. And it doesn't. And instead flipping back to the things that were important. He wanted to leave behind this world that he'd grown up in. But he comes to realise they're his family and they're his friends. And that is the most important thing that he has left on this planet where 95% of the people have died. That is what he should be fighting for. And it's, this, it's one of the best coming-of-age stories that I've seen in the modern era because everything rings true. Um, I thought the special effects were wonderful because they're very understated. They don't use them continually throughout. They use sort of creeping dread um, a lot in the film. And when they happen, they're big and colourful and really imaginative. The crab at the end is wonderful. Another thing I like about this film is there are no villains. Everyone has their own reasons for being like they are, and they're all good people, including many of the monsters. Um, it doesn't take a uh, prejudiced view against the monsters either. And you can see the way that some humans, there are some nasty humans, but a very small number, who manipulate the monsters, how awful they are, not the monsters. The monsters are just being animals. Um, and some of the visuals are stunning of the creature attacks and, and there's some really thoughtful scenes where he meets this robot and sees these floating jellyfish and she projects his mother's face on her face and he starts hugging the robot it's really moving so I thought this was a wonderful film 
Uh, it's got a lot more going for it than I expected. I think that it is, well, it, it, it's only a tiny bit slight. All of the characters that they come across are, are good. Um, all of the interactions are good. The script is good. The visuals are wonderful. It's understated. It's thoughtful. It's nice. It's easy to watch. And I found it much more moving than I expected. So I'm going to give Love and Monsters an 8 out of 10. I thought it was a really good film and well worth watching. Love and Monsters, 8 out of 10. And this is in tribute to Toots Hibbert, who died on the 11th of September. And I never...